Hey, what's going on, y'all? Welcome to episode six of Rose Above the Podcast. I'm T. Rose. Yo, what's up? It's Philly. What's up? And then we got Jessica and Ashley with us from Brave Hearts and Why. How y'all doing? Thank you for being here, y'all. How y'all doing? Thank you. Thank you for having us. Of course, of course. So tell everybody, what is Brave Hearts and Why? What do y'all do? Um, so Brave Hearts Move New York Move stands for Motivating Others Through Voices of Experience. And we are the first youth-led non-for-profit organization that works with young people transitioning out of the foster care, mental health, and juvenile justice system. Powerhouse. Yeah. Told you. Yo, wait. So, I mean, what do kids have to do to be a part of this? It's a good question. Um, so... Braveheart is, we define as a young person who's gone through any level of adversity or difficulty in their lives, and they come out of that a stronger and wiser version of themselves. They're a Braveheart. So our Bravehearts are young people who have dealt with tragedy, dealt with difficulty, dealt with oppression, system, uh, violence, um, isolation, abandonment, and they don't want to be defined by those things. Um, they come to motivational meetings where they turn their pain into purpose and we help inspire one another. That's dope. So do you have to be, like, um, do you have to be an inner-city kid, or can you be, like, from anywhere? Can you be, like, it doesn't matter how much, how rich the family is you're coming from. Like, what if I'm a wealthy kid, and I want to be part of this? Can I? So um, foster care, mental health, and juvenile justice really doesn't know, like, no age, no race, even though disproportionality is a major issue um, within New York State and across the country. Um, but... We're keeping it real. Voice for we're based out of Yonkers. Yeah, yeah so what's we're up? Ser- so we're serving our minority, minority popula- uh, population of youth because that's who our systems are overrepresented by. Um, but we absolutely have young people who live in more affluent communities who yeah. also have been impacted by mental health through foster care involvement. Okay. All right. So what? where do kids have to go to get to see your programs? Like, um, Are they based at any one location or are they all over? So we have an administrative office, which Ashley's a program coordinator of, and she works out of there, and we do um, a lot of different programs where we do individual mentoring, where young people will come and get help with uh, system navigation. So a lot of young people who are living independently, um, young moms, uh, young people out there that are trying to tackle the homeless issue uh, and get stable housing, they need help to navigate those systems, to deal with professionals in a non-judgmental way, to understand their rights, to understand the protocol that's involved. And these are things that are not edu- information that's not disseminated to young people. So unless you know somebody or you're being educated on it, you can get lost in it. So um, we provide individual mentoring to help those young people navigate those systems. Um, we run a program, which Ashley's the program coordinator of, in the Valhalla County Jail for incarcerated youth called Bravery Beyond Bars, um, where we work with 16 to 18-year-old incarcerated youth to help them um, do, we do individual mentoring with them and group facilitation in there. Um, but more importantly, we help connect them to resources once they come back into the community so they have something positive to connect to. Uh, we run a program called Brave Moms, which is a young mom support group that Philly's a co-facilitator of. And, uh, oh, shoot. Yep, yep, yep. You didn't know she had it's that. a brave mom. Right? Yes, go ahead. Yeah, you know, like sometimes you're always so busy interviewing other people. I don't really get to talk That's to not true. That's myself. not true. We knew that. I don't want to. We knew that. Don't don't try to make it seem like I take all the spotlight. Don't do that. I didn't say that. Don't do that. So like um, so you guys help anybody from age? What's the age range you said? Um, so our programs have different age ranges, but um, mostly it's fourteen to twenty six. Um, but like Brave Moms goes fourteen to twenty seven. 
I work in the jail with um, incarcerated youth that's um, 16 to 18, so it depends on our programs. Our most popular program and what we got our start from is our motivational meetings based here in Yonkers. Um, we meet here in the square, um, 45 South Broadway, and then we have our administrative office on Ludlow, um, where we team up with the Power Lab, and um, we host our meetings there, and that's for young people, uh, 14 to 26, um, that are coming from all backgrounds. And you know, May is Foster Care and Mental Health Awareness Month, so we bring light to all the issues that um, are talked about in the dark or aren't. Um, deemed like cool to talk about with your friends on the block. Yeah, like um, like what? I'm, I'm just curious. Like, what are some things that you guys want you like some examples? <laughs> what we talk about? Uh, what are things that young people talk about? That like, they joke about like sex, relationships, stuff like that, or is it exactly exactly so, what it is? Yeah. So we um we try to give them more of a positive note to it though. Yeah. So, like, if you're coming and you know, like you're having like a relationship problem, like what we see often is like um there's a lot of girls out here that end up homeless or couch surfing and they mm -hmm. sleep with like a boyfriend, then they get into a DV situation mm -hmm. but they don't have nowhere to go. So it's like it's a safe place that they can come and speak about it like and what? we can give them resources. Okay. Like, you what know, on like how to deal with it. Maybe. Um domestic violence. Domestic violence. Yeah, yeah. Domestic violence. Um or even um somebody who's been through a similar experience where they could just tell that young lady, like, this is what I've been through. Let's make sure that you don't have to go through that. So y'all make sure you guys keep it more real instead of giving, like, the typical parental answer to certain things. So, yeah, so so if somebody comes to you and asks about sex, like, hey, I'm, I'm having unprotected sex with my with my boyfriend. They say they're 14-year-old girls. Um, you guys aren't going to be giving them answers like, oh, don't have sex. It's not right. Y'all give them the more of the... You need to be protected. You need to get checked. Talks like that. We give them options. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we give them options. We also are not, we're not the, uh, you know, the do-all, end-all, be-all. What we do is we tell them the things that we've survived and we've endured and what our experiences are and give them options on which path that they could choose, like what, what they want to go down and what the possible outcome could be. Um, sometimes it gets deep. Sometimes we have young people that are coming talking about my parents are using drugs and there's no food in the house and what can I do? Um, and we have to take responsibility for those very real things that are not commonly talked about in the prison. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the um, things I like about Brave Hearts the Most is that um, you guys really focus on um, experienced, uh, experienced youth, experienced people being experts of what they've gone through. So you pair up a person that maybe doesn't have a college degree, maybe hasn't went and took classes on any type of topic, but they're just talking about their lived experiences, which um, oftentimes we don't have enough of those people that have experience in some of these youths um, and in their corner. Or we don't create job positions that even empower people like or all people of us like that yeah. have those experience, that can do these professions, that can do mentoring, that can be credible messengers, that can take their dark moments and help inspire young people. Like, that's where the real work is at. It's all about relationship building. Yeah, so I was going to ask that. Is for, like, for, the young, for you, do you guys, ever, is each kid have a mentor that they're assigned to, or? So there's Braveheart leadership, so there's leadership that actually run the meetings, and they're all very connected to us, so um, we, there's a lot that we do that we don't have funding for, that we just do because we know it's right and the community needs mm -hmm. it, and then we try to go and hustle grants to get, yep, you know, get, right. you know, get the work done afterwards, you know, and get paid for it, but, yeah, with, when it comes to the mentoring, we actually don't even have a grant that supports that at the moment. Okay. We just do that because it's what's right. Um, so no, not every single Braveheart has an individual advocate, but every single Braveheart has access to mentoring by the Braveheart leadership, um, which includes myself, um, Ashley, and several other Braveheart members 
who have been with us since our founding. So we started this five years ago. Um, we only became nonprofit two years ago, um, and we've been going out and getting our own grants ever since and creating programs. That's dope. So these kids have your personal phone numbers. A lot of these kids. Our social just, media. Facebook is like the main way to contact. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's so how do how does one become a brave heart like a, like what you guys do if if I wanted to step in and help. To actually do like mentoring. Yeah, yeah, mentoring, yep. So we have the good fortune now that we're getting a little bit more recognition for the work that we're doing and we, you know, have our eyes on some grants that give us the ability to compensate people for the work that they want to do. So um, we're putting, uh, like right now we're hiring for the jail, for the Bravery Beyond Bars. Okay. Um, um, so we are in an organizational mentorship with the Children's Village. So um, I don't know if you've heard of them before. The Children's Village in uh, Dobson, like Dobson, so right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, they're actually all over the Hudson Valley, so they got sites in the city and all the uh, five boroughs. They got sites up in um, Rockland County and in Orange County. Mm-hmm. Um, they're a very large residential organization. Um, residential placement is for young people who have dealt with abuse, neglect, abandonment, or juvenile justice issues, and they can't remain in their community. They would go to a residential treatment center. Um, so Children's Village operates residential treatment centers, but also operates community-based programs. When they heard about us five years ago, they became an ally of ours. And when we became nonprofit, they knew that we needed organizational support to help get us where we needed to be. So they extend that to us. So, I mean, I was the car that I'm driving to even get here today is a CD agency car. So they're now changing the mold on what it looks like for professionals to adopt a youth organization and treat them as equals. So um, we like create our job descriptions, run them through Children's Village, we use it as word of mouth, we let people in the community know we're hiring, we interview them, we hire them, and then they start working in our programs. That is amazing, amazing. So now you are a woman executive director of a nonprofit. Um, How is that experience? This just happened two years ago, you were running the group, but how, how, how's that? How did, like, how does it feel to go from that to this? <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. I uh, talk about brave hearts in my sleep. So there is no brave hearts is everything. I eat, <laughs> and sleep it. Um, you know, I have kids. I'm a mom. I'm definitely a brave mom. And uh, um, my kids even get involved. They love the brave hearts. They know what it is. So that's like a blessing for me. I feel like I'm role modeling for the future. Um, I don't know. It's very humbling for me. I haven't had the privilege to graduate from college yet. So to have a... Uh, an esteemed title like that, but to feel like I don't have the academic credentialing behind it is a bit of an insecure place for me. Um, But I'm blessed to have people around me that encourage me and let me know that I'm on the right path and I'm doing the right thing. And I I truly feel that great leaders build leadership in others. So I have a privilege to be here, but my job is to make sure that Ashley and all the other Braveheart leaders are taking this over because I'm going to get old and I'm going to get grumpy. And, you know, <laughs> next generation got to take it over. Yeah. Uh, it, I think it's dope for sure because I know there's a lot of kids who feel like um, if they don't have an education by 18, 19, 20, 21, college degree at 21, a lot of people feel like, oh, like my life's over. I'm not going to be anything. And like for you to instill in them that, yo, there's never, it's never too late to get an education. It's never too late to be positive, get education, and do the right thing. I think that's dope. Thank you. So now your logo is a lion. How did that come? So, um, lions move in a pride, and um, when you go through foster care, you go through a system, sometimes you feel like you're alone, <clears throat> and Brave Hearts was a place for us to be able to, like, bond in um, the experiences that we've had. So, um, we're a pride, like, we move in a pack, mm-hmm. so now, like, we don't have to feel alone, and there's power in numbers. So, um, 
That's why we have our line. Did you guys, did you guys come up with that? With so this Esther? graphic was completely designed by us. I yeah. know. Like, actually, her husband was the one who, like, graphic designed it. Okay. And to get a pencil. So, like, everything that has to do with this line, like, we actually, like, detailed piece by piece. So, um, I think it's, where is it? Okay, and the right eye um, is New York State. Yep. And then the left eye is a professional and a child holding hands. So it's like we're trying to do system reform in New York State, throughout the state. And then um, and the left, um, with the partner and the, um, I'm sorry, with the professional and the child, mm -hmm. is the partnership between, like, professionals with the education and the youth that have the lived experience. So we're trying to, like, bring that together. We're trying to, like, patch, you know, and network. So put, how old are you? Yeah, I'm putting all over the shame. All right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So... speak um because like that's you know my brain fart um i volunteered for a long time but um in brain farts when it first started but i've known jessica for relatively long time okay <clears throat> and um i was in foster care and i wasn't like the idea for uh, ideal foster child like i used to eight ball and like run away and they used to call the cops on me um i she was my brain heart mentor before brain heart even existed okay and um there was times that like i would cry to her and tell her, like, I feel like if there was more people like you and more people that have the lived experience and can understand why I do the things that I do, mm -hmm. we can save a lot more people to not have to go through the things that we've gone through. And um, that's what started me, like, on the path to being able to help people because, like, one of the models that I feel like we always use is, like, healed people, like, heal people. Like, yep. you have to be healed in order to heal other people from, like, what they've been through if you've been through similar experiences. Mm -hmm. And there's also healing and helping. Like, so if you're not healed from the trauma that you've been through, helping somebody else come through, like, make it through their trauma and overcome their obstacles can help you heal in a way. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I mean, I feel like that's why I started, and I know that just being Jessica's friend for so long, that just having somebody that can just share those experiences, like, that's what bonds people. That's what makes things last. Like, it's not fake, it's real. Mm -hmm. And for me, um, it wasn't there, so I made it. Um, mm. That's really that's awesome. I think that's what it came down to. Um, I know what it's like to be in pain and be alone. And um, if there was brave hearts around when I was younger and I was in care, um, I wouldn't have went through a lot of the things that they go through. So I promised myself a very long time ago that if I ever had the opportunity, that I would make sure I did something so young people didn't feel the way I felt. So what are some of the things that happen when a youth age out of foster care? Depends what type of level of care you're in. So Ashley and I were involved in kinship care. So kinship care is when um, there's abuse and neglect going on in the home of a biological <coughs> parent, and um, CPS or preventative care will come in and uh, investigate the issue, and you are placed with a relative or a friend of the family while your guardian, your parent, is working on the issues that they have. Um, in my case, my guardian was not able to work on the issues that they had, so I went from staying with a friend of the family to go into treatment because it's independent living. Um, and independent living is an option that a lot of kids in care go into, um, which is a um, state and federally funded initiative 
where you get your own apartment or you do apartment shared with other young people. You get a room and you can stay there until you're 21 or 24 based on the, the funding requirements. And the goal is to save up money during those three to five years so then you can go get your own apartment on your own. Um, I became pregnant very early on uh, into my time in uh, supported housing and they did not allow pregnant women to stay in that unit. So I was kicked out and found myself homeless very quickly, um, which is a system issue. Yeah. And um, but I was able to get on my feet and work and uh, get my own place. And I've been you know, successfully housed um, ever since. But uh, not all young people are that fortunate. Um, trauma, as Ashley had mentioned, plays a huge role into the way a young person transitions out of foster care. Um, the system looks at behavior rather than the possibilities of the young person. So if you do not demonstrate a certain uh, behavior or a certain, a certain, certain characteristics that would deem you eligible for as a good candidate for independent living, um, that's not something that's really being afforded to you. And your chances of becoming homeless um, go up. Um, we see that being also a gender issue because we see our black and brown male youth um, that are not viewed as priority um, when it comes to housing. And then we see our um, black and brown females that will use um, sometimes sex in relationships for um, a place to stay, and which then can lead to these situations, can lead to pregnancies, can lead to housing instability. Um, so those are just like the overall, like some of the cons that can happen. Um, if you're in residential care, one of the things that's afforded to you is a permanency hearing where you go to a judge and you talk about options of what your independent living looks like. And it could be returning back to the home. It could be living independently where you get a job and you get your own apartment or you go into independent living. Um, that's if you have a good enough relationship with your judge and you can articulate yourself mm -hmm. well and get those needs met. For some of our young men and women, they can't do that and they are shut down and they go from one system to the next and we see them a couple years later in the criminal justice system. Yes. Very, that's, that's unfortunate. Very. Is there, is there, are there any like companies that offer internships to these kids that um, you guys help? Um, yeah, so there's definitely businesses that, uh, first of all, I mean, there's um, even the, the Westchester County Department of Social Services, like summer youth employment for youth that are in foster care. Um, the, uh, One Stop Employment offers um, job programs for youth that are involved in the foster care and the mental health system. Um, some of the barriers and challenges are readiness for work mm -hmm. um, and also explaining to employers what trauma responses look like, how to deal with triggers, how to employ a young person, how to deal with tardiness, how to deal with young people that don't have those soft skills that are needed, mm -hmm. like how to even look someone in the eye and have a conversation with them without feeling intimidated. We don't teach that to our young people that are in the system. We don't teach what it's like to stay off of your cell phone. We don't teach what it's like to not suck your teeth and roll your eyes at somebody. Yet we'll put somebody in a customer service job making $10 an hour and expect them to do well. So again, like you know, Ashley had said, we're very real with um, what we say and what goes on and we feel like someone has to be honest with these young people. And we are not a grievance committee. We don't speak about all the negatives. We just are very honest with what goes on. Mm -hmm. And when there's successes, we highlight those just as equally because we want people to understand what are the opportunities out there and how to take personal accountability for your own life. Um, because sometimes we need to go from victims to victors Yep. So I spent a very long time of my life hurting myself more because I was hurt by my family. Um, and it wasn't until I let that pain go and I healed from that that I was able to take accountability over my own life. 
that's something that takes people sometimes a lifetime to achieve and it's something I still currently work on. It's about like emotional maintenance, um, but that's something we don't talk about with our kids. Great parts we do. So I know that it is Foster Care Awareness Month is also Mental Health Awareness Month. Mm -hmm. um, what are you all's take on uh, mental health and the, our youth um, being honest about their mental health or maybe not even being honest, maybe actually going instead of taking care of maybe therapy. So I know some of our young people um, when you when they hear therapy, they're like, "Well, I'm not crazy." Especially, especially in the in the black black and brown community, our Spanish Latin community, we think that therapy is, oh yeah, he's, he's crazy. I can't mess with him. You well, know? I'm not crazy. Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. I don't got nothing going on. Yeah, with there's me. nothing wrong with me. So, so I know it's hard to get them to, you know, to speak and get them in counseling and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, well, I think that's when we look at reforming what therapy looks like and consistency of therapists and access to treatment and also like innovative ways to provide treatment. So um, I'm glad you brought up the cultural piece because let's talk about just for, um, you know, Hispanic families sometimes culturally, um, when you look at systems or people um, that are outside the family getting involved into family issues that's viewed as taboo. You know, you don't do that. Um, sometimes you don't doing tell nobody about your business. Exactly. Exactly. So sometimes doing that could get you kicked out of your own house. Um, and, you know, and that's a very real issue that, you know, adds to the stigma around mental health. Um, we also look at the real challenges, too. Um, there's a ton of mental health treatment centers here, even in Yonkers, that we refer our young people to, and they call us back and say, I'm on a wait list. I'm on a wait list. So it's very concerning for us when you have a young person who's at the point where they're like, I know I need therapy, and they call a center, and there's wait lists all around, and they wait for a call 60, 90 days, 120 days later. Will they still be ready at that point, or will it be too little too late? So we look at like different ways and we advocate for like ways mental health treatment can be um, given throughout the county. Um, you look at what it looks like for mobile therapy and treatment. How can therapy be brought to you instead of maybe you going out to a clinic? Um, how can therapists be uh, reform their training to be more responsive to young people? So social workers are trained in school to have boundaries and not to build relationships, personal relationships with their clients. Mm -hmm. Yet, how can I tell you about myself and m the issues I'm dealing with if it's just a one-sided conversation and it's not a relationship? Relationships go two ways. So those are things we talk about as well. Is um, We go around to different universities, like we spoke at Fordham University to their graduating social work class, letting them know, like, we know this is what you were academically trained in, but this is how you really need to be if you're going to engage with young people. Um, so I think it's about just really having a conversation about access to resources, it's about having a conversation about breaking down the stigma and that um, emotional intelligence is something that every <coughs> single human being has to manage. There is not a single human being that has not felt sadness, um, that has not felt despair, that has not encountered tragedy. What we have to ask ourselves is how do we bounce back from those moments? Some people are able to do that easier than others. So it's for the people that struggle to get there um, a little bit quicker than some other people that's where maybe the mental health treatment comes in. So it's not a me versus you. It's a us, and how can we help each other? Sheesh, man. You guys are so deep. So you guys have social media? You guys have, like, Instagram, Facebook, or anything? Yes, yes, yes. How, where, how can the people find you? 
Um, so we have a website, um, bravepartsmovementlive.org. Um, we're on Facebook. We talk about everything we do and showcase um, our achievements and um, some of the young people's successes and um, new programs that we're starting. That's um, on Facebook, BraveHeartsMoveNY. Um, we don't have an Instagram. We did back in the day, and we lost the password. We've never been <laughs> since, so. I haven't had a new one. Yeah, got to get that together. Um, if anyone wanted to donate, don can, donate. We, can we donate on that website? Or like, what do you oh, yes. need? What are the things that, that you, you need for your kids on a regular basis? Like, oh, what are the, gosh. the items? So, number one thing, Metro cards. Yes. Um, young people have uh, are going to job interviews all the time, are struggling to get to appointments, do not have Metro cards. We have no funding for that. Um, another thing, we are every, so we meet every Friday night in Yonkers here um, doing our motivational meetings, and um, we come out of pocket with the money for food, so we feed them okay. um, and provide Metro cards. So if um, you're looking to donate monetary funds, that helps us with providing food every Friday night. Um, with our young moms we work with, we're always getting requests for like formula, diapers, strollers, things like that. Um, our young men that we work with when they're coming out of jail, sometimes they Great need clothes to, oh yeah, uh, they need clothes to go to work. Another initiative we did um, in partnership with uh, Junior Lee Bronxville, we created something called Brave Bags, which are survival bags for young people that are dealing with couch surfing and homelessness. Okay. Um, and there are book bags, real sturdy book bags that you could use, like not just the drawstring ones, yeah, yeah, yeah. like real good ones. Yeah. Um, and it had a ShopRite gift card in there, it had a Metro card in there, it has hygiene uh, kits in there, it had a journal in there, a coloring book, it had snacks in there, it had a sleeping bag in there, a blow up pillow. Like, um, just we felt like just an emergency survival kit. So, like, our young people, they go around house to house, street to street. We have a brave part right now that we're trying to help with housing that's sleeping at the Mount Vernon train station. He has a brave bag and that the sleeping bag in there, you know, it helps him. So, I mean, that's just kind of the real stuff that we provide. What's what's like the off the top of your memory the hardest case that you could kind of remember that got really hit home for you guys? I or the greatest success. Yeah, I mean, it, so either I'm, either way, both. You, both, <laughs> both, both, both. both. So I think I, I think Ashley and I would probably have different um, answers because we have different experiences. So mine is going to be probably what we're dealing with right now. Um, so her and I are working with um, a young man that's uh, currently incarcerated, um, was recently sentenced, um, 16 years old, going away for almost uh, two decades. Um, it is very, very, very hard when you look at a young person who's involved in the community and you see one side of them, and then you work with them on a more intimate level where all of that gets stripped away and you see who the individual is and you see what the community and the systemic and the parental issues are, and what could have been in place to help prevent that young person from getting down that path. Um, and personally for me, I've had to do a lot of self-care um, with that situation, uh, because these are, these are children, these are 16-year-olds. Um, the human brain does not stop developing until age 25, so uh, rational thoughts and impulsive behavior, all these things are still developing. Um, so it's hard, it's hard for me. Um, and I keep just asking myself, like, how to fix this? How do we fix the juvenile justice system? How do we fix the cycle of violence? Um, and I don't have easy answers to this question. I don't think there are easy questions, uh, answers because if there were, we would have solved it already. Um, so I think it just comes down to just not giving up and like taking care of yourself while you do the work. But that's definitely um, it's one of my one of my uh, ones that's been hitting me heavy recently. Yeah, give us give us a success. Give me a good one. Give me a good one. Give me a good one.
Okay, so another one with the jail. So we had a young man um, in the jail who would, um, he, he was a recidivist. Um, he was only 18 years old, and we've seen him since he was 16 multiple times in the jail. Like, okay. oh, okay, like you go back, you come back home, and you end up back here. We're yeah. telling you, we have resources for you. Um, he turned 18, and the last time he was in jail, he ended up, uh, well, his, his girlfriend ended up having a ba- his baby while he was in jail. Um, he decided, which we've heard before, you know, I want to come home and I want to change. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, if you want to come home and change, you know where we're at. Mm-hmm. You know where to meet us. Come and get some help. Um, he's been home since November. Uh, the young man has a job. He's on his way to being a supervisor. So, Him and his baby mother just got an apartment. His son turned one last week. So this young man is doing very well. Yes. And this is a young, yep, this is a young man that, you know, people in the jail, higher-ups would say, like, you know, we're going to keep you back here. This like, he, he keeps getting dope. in trouble. So That's he's doing well. Yep. So, so, oh, my. Philly, tell what's going on in the gallery before I ask him this last question. Tell, do you know? Uh, yeah. So, in the gallery, um, the every last Friday, we have an open mic. And that's a collaboration with Express Yourself Soulbox. So, that's about, like, 7 o'clock. Um, every last Friday of the month here at Blue Gallery. Uh, currently, we have the same amazing um, exhibit up. Yep, it's come, Cross Currents. Yep, from SUNY, right? SUNY Purchase, these kids? No, Mount St. Vincent. Vincent. I'm sorry, Mount St. Vincent. <laughs> but the art is dope, though. The so come check it out, so man. Dope. You gotta come see the six nine piece. Um, that's one of my favorite pieces. And uh, every Saturday at Blue Door Gallery, there's children workshops. Um, and you can always look on their calendar to find out what other things are happening during the week or. Okay. Okay. So Jessica Ash is the last question I ask you before we get up out of here. Um, what's the hardest thing y'all rose above to get to this point? Um, it's probably just this something I'm probably going to deal with till the day I die. Um, so, um, I have been estranged from my mother. Um, it's been now, I have not spoken to her in 17 years. Wow. Yeah. And, um, being a mother myself, um, it's very difficult to navigate that, what that looks like. Um, my mother unfortunately struggles with uh, significant mental health challenges and she just, you know, she cannot be the parent that I wish she could be. Um, I had to forgive somebody who's never said they're sorry, and unfortunately I've had to do that several times in my life. Um, so I think being able to accomplish that and do that is what helps me to persevere um, because I still carry my insecurities as much as I talk so proudly about this. I'm a very insecure young lady, um, and I can revert right back to that abused and neglected six-year-old girl. So remembering that I'm worthy and remembering that this has purpose and that the things that I endured, I had to go through so I could be here today and be a brave heart. Um, that's the hardest thing I've had to endure, but it's also the thing that keeps me grounded. Oh, like, yeah, this so is, thank y'all for coming today, for real, thank you, thank you, Brave Hearts Move and Why, thank you. Oh, did you Oh, sure. I mean, I feel like everybody should rock the puppet. <clears throat> when Jessica was talking about being a victim, like when you go through trauma and you're in systems, um, it's easy to be like, what was me? And and everything that you do that doesn't turn out the way you want it to is always because of something you've been through. A lot of people don't realize that when you're put in situations like that and you have to go through systems and you're dealing with trauma, you're stronger than a lot of other people. And they don't realize that. So it's like I had to tell myself that I was strong because I made it through the things that I made through and that I wasn't a victim to the things that I made it through because a victim doesn't make it through. 
Yes, and, and they don't they don't break you. They fill you, basically. And and I think that's for everybody. And I I have to tell myself that all the time. But on top of that, I try to tell every young person that I meet that yeah. I've been through that. You guys inspired me yeah. so much. I I was going through some craziness before I got here, and I'm I'm feeling I'm feeling feeling good. Feeling good. Yeah. I'm feeling good. Good. You mean canceling that appointment? No. All right. Good. So. <laughs> Yo, y'all, that's episode six of Rose Above the Podcast. Thank you for being here, guys, once again. Yo, y'all, great. All right, y'all, we see y'all next week.